You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. Guys, we're so excited to be here with you guys tonight. And um, one of the main things that, you know, one of the main intentions for us coming to church and when we're up here, being able to speak into your lives, one of the main things that we want to encounter and, you know, we want for all of us to encounter is God, is the presence of God. We want to encounter God. That, that is our intention. Through our words that we speak, through our life, you know, us coming together, we come to gather around the presence of God. And that, that's our intention uh, with us being up here tonight, is that you'd encounter him, you'd know him. And so that, that we're going to lean into that strong. Um, we've been in a series, as Ryan mentioned. Thanks, Ryan. Where are you? How does it work? Ryan? Anyway. We've been in a series called Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, um, taken from Revelation chapter 3, which is the church of Laodicea, and God speaking to the church of Laodicea, wanting them to wake up and to, to see, you know, their state. And we want to extract from that some, basically, a message about purity um, but it's not going to be a message about purity that you would maybe think of. We're going to touch on two different subjects. One of them is called transparency or tra- being transparent and real. A th- living authentically righteous and displacing hypocrisy. Um, yeah, and then the other thing we're going to talk about is um, Lord, give us eyes to see. And this idea of the pure in heart will see God. Um, yeah. And that motivation for purity is seeing God. So that's another thing. It's such a, yeah. It's a great way to approach purity instead of a bunch of do's and don'ts and rules and regulations. It's always, always comes back to the heart. So we're going to dig into that a bit tonight, too. So can I read a chapter? Okay. Um, This beautiful translation of the Bible, the Passion Translation, I don't own a copy of the Bible, the translation. I do have a Bible. but um, So I want to read it, and maybe we can get it up on the screen here. Ephesians 5, verse 25 to 27. We're going to start here. And to the husbands, That's me. you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sanctifying himself. Why? To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. All that he does in us is designed to make us a mature church for his pleasure until we become a source of praise to him. And here we go. Glorious and radiant. And I'm just declaring this over at the Church of Vancouver. Beautiful and holy, without fault or flaw. Yeah, it's so clear and so beautifully put. But I love this idea. For he died for us, sanctifying himself. This is Christ's work on the cross. He did that. To make us, he does it. He makes us holy. He makes us pure. He cleanses us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. It's all his, it's all his job. Yeah. It's his pleasure. So we we wanted to start with the scripture. One, because it's just a beautiful scripture, um, especially coming from the Passion Translation. But two, we want you guys to remember and recognize that it is Jesus that purifies us. That we do have a response to his love to live a pure lifestyle, but it is him ultimately that is washing us and purifying us. And that's why we want to encounter him, right? So let's, uh, let's pray. 
God, we, we thank you that you are in the business of purifying your people, that your spirit is at work in our hearts and minds and in this place, God. I thank you, Father, that you are present. Your spirit is present to love on people, to speak to hearts, God, and to just burn away impurities, to love people well, Father. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do in this place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Awesome. So, transparent and real, being authentically righteous while displacing hypocrisy. Um, Our culture right now, in our time, in our day and age, we're really big on being authentic. We want... We want to see into people's lives, don't we? You know, with Instagram, it blew up. That's years ago now. How how old is Instagram anyway? 10 years? I don't know. Instagram blew up. It started to get a little too curated. People are like, oh, no, I I can't see what people are really like anymore. Insta stories comes out. Oh, now I can see 24-hour window. You know, so people are always looking for the opportunity to see into people's lives, to know who they really are. They want to see the vulnerable side of people. They want to see who people really are. And this is a God-given thing. This is something that God has put inside of us because he wants connection. And connection only comes through vulnerability. Right? Any people watch Brene Brown? Hey-o, Brene Brown. Love it, love it. (laughs) That's the only way connection can come. People are desiring this. You know, Instagram has celebrities that seem so untouchable. And all of a sudden, they're showing themselves in the morning with no makeup, having coffee. And you're like, ah, I can connect. People are desiring this. But it's a, not me. But it's true. I heard. But people are desiring connection and authenticity. And I want to talk a little bit about the idea of being real and authentic, because I think sometimes we give being real, um, we we label it as almost having the opportunity to express the negative, right? So it's kind of like this whole thing of like, man, I really like your shirt. It's cool. But to be honest, you know, to be real, I'm not sure I really like your pants. You know, I'm just to be honest, to be real. Now, I don't, I don't really know, honestly, what that says about the positive things we do and say. It's kind of like, okay, well, what about all that then? Are you fake up to the point that I can finally be real? I don't like to define being real or authentic as simply having the opportunity to be, to air out your laundry, so to say, right? I like to define real more like this. It's about being transparent consistent. The same on the outside as you are on the inside. Positive and negative, the whole picture. Because here's the thing, for Christians, it's so important. Consider this, we're following Jesus. We're becoming more like him. This is our journey. This is what we're doing, guys. It says we're being transformed into his very image as we look unto him. We follow him. Jesus was holy. Jesus was pure. Jesus was righteous. We are becoming like this. We want to be authentically righteous. We want to have sincere faith. We want to actually love people and not just do it well when we come here on Sunday. I want to. I think I do. 
Jeff? You're supposed to say yes. Yes, Thank yes, you. Yes, you <laughs> but this is the direction we're going, guys. This is this is the direction we're going. God is is taking off the mask. I don't I don't know that the church has done the best job in being authentic and real. Sometimes get a bit of a bad rep being hypocrites. I'm believing for that to be behind us. I'm going to pull back a little bit. I was going to say something. Um, I've been camping on a story in the Bible about um, the story where Jesus has a conversation with a woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And so I'm going to, I'm going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to kind of read through the story and just see how God is desiring so much to have encounter with this woman, and it requires vulnerability. So we're going to start at John 4, chapter 7. Do you want me to read Let's it? hear the, the wrestling pages. I'm sure it doesn't happen. <laughs> but I'm going, to, I'm going to ask for my lovely wife to, to read the, the scripture for me. So. Yeah. Do you want me to just read 7? Uh, 4, verse 7, starting at 7, yeah. All right. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Keep going. Thank you. (laughs) For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is who says to you, Give me a drink of water, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Keep going. And the woman said to him, Sir, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is too deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So two things to consider in this passage. One is that Jews would not speak to Samaritans during this time. Just it wasn't culturally something that they did. It was, it's not cool, but it's just something that didn't happen. Two, men wouldn't normally speak to women alone. It would normally have to be with a crowd. So Jesus in this, in this conversation here is being actually quite provocative. He's doing something that's, he's pushing the boundaries here. And a lot of the conversation seems to revolve around the subject of water. Give me water. I'll give you living water. A lot of water going on. Um, I have a lot of water. But I, I don't think... <laughs> I, I don't think that Jesus was trying to get this woman an eternal subscription to water, to vitamin water. I don't think that was Jesus' intention here. It's an allegory, Right? The scripture says this, it says eternal life is to know God. And Jesus talks here about about this water springing up into everlasting life. What Jesus is doing here is he's wanting this woman to know him. He's wanting this woman to encounter God. This is what he's engaging in conversation for. But in order, in order for this woman to encounter God, she needs transparency. She needs to be vulnerable. So we're going we're gonna to move on some more in the passage. Verse 15. 
Thank you. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may drink, oh, sorry, that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You have done well, or you have well said you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have, whom you now have, is not your husband, in that you have spoken truly. That's good. Um, so, so this woman is, is basically wanting what Jesus is offering. So she says, give me, give me what it is that you're offering. And Jesus responds with a word of knowledge. He sees her current reality and he sees her history. He responds with a word of knowledge. He's prying open the door. A couple things to keep in mind here is one, Jesus is alone with this woman. He's not interested in exposing anybody. That's never the intention of God. He came to save and not condemn, right? You remember that story in the Bible where there's a woman caught in the very act of idolatry and she was brought to Jesus by by religious people and they're like, what are you going to do? And they wanted to throw stones and condemn her. And Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus came to bring life. He came to save. He, He came to make what is wrong right. That is his intention here. That is his love for this woman. This is the reason why he's wanting to encounter her. This is the reason why he wants to encounter us. The second thing to keep in mind is that during that time, culturally as well, women wouldn't normally, like, they, they wouldn't initiate divorce. It just wasn't something they, they could do. They were kind of just stuck in their marriages. It was only men that would initiate divorce. So with this woman having a history of many husbands, most likely it's men that either left her or died. So the, uh, this woman's history is, is heartbreaking. She's probably feeling like a victim feeling down, feeling shameful, wanting this door to be shut, not wanting to be vulnerable. But it's almost like Jesus is, is pleading with her. And he's just saying, I, I want to I open the door of your heart here. I need, to, I need to talk to the true version of you, the whole version of you, because he's offering her an encounter. Uh, verse 19. Coming right up. Thank you. <laughs> the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped here on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither, sorry, when you will, uh, where are we here? Uh, Hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship what you worship, what you do not know. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So this woman is feeling kind of vulnerable here, right? In her state of vulnerability, what she does, though, is she redirects the conversation. You see that? All of a sudden, she's like, I perceive you're a prophet. Like, oh, let's, this guy, is, he's quite prophetic. I better up my, my spirituality here. She, she, she all of a sudden is like, oh, you know, these are the places that I worship, and I heard the Jews worship here. She's, she's wanting to sound um, spiritual, but she's pointing in another direction. She, she's redirecting the conversation elsewhere, and in a sense, she's using religious jargon. She's trying to 
mask, she's trying to put on a mask to say, oh, I can't go there. I don't want you to know me and all that I am, especially now that I see that you, you're a prophet, you're a spiritual person. I like to phrase it as almost like the God card, right? So it's like there's a moment maybe with somebody that is speaking into your life and they're a safe person. They love you well and, and you start to open up about maybe your weaknesses or your current reality or your history and you start to feel vulnerable. And rather than allow for that process to take place, you say something like, oh, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, I don't want to believe that. And there is a place for declaring that higher truth. I, I am so for that. But it has to come. It has to start from a place of humility and vulnerability because God is interested in transforming people from the inside out. He's interested in actually creating Christ-like people in this earth that look like him, talk like him, think like him. You can think like him. So what you do, what you speak, the things you engage in is actually the way Jesus would. I wonder sometimes even as, as a church, you know, this is a place of worship. It's a place we come to gather. We come to worship. It's possible sometimes that we can even engage in Christian activities and we can, we can build church. We can, we can be in, in full-time ministry. We can do these things sometimes without wanting to deal even with the fear or the pain or sometimes even the sin that is in our heart. In those cases, sometimes we can actually be in danger of building something that was never God's original design. We start to build things. We start to point elsewhere and build things so that we don't have to be exposed. But here's the thing. God is wanting to reach a people through you. And in order to get through you, you need to be transparent. And remember this, the, the Samaritan woman, she came from, from a city. And the very people that she came from are the people she went back to after this encounter with God, after this encounter with Jesus. On the other side, on the other side of this God encounter, of you allowing yourself to be known, to say, I'm an open book, Jesus. On the other side of this God encounter is a city, Vancouver, is, is a people, is your family, is a culture that's waiting for you. That is the church that God is wanting to build. Let's not redirect the conversation. Let's not have a plan B. Let's have a plan A. Plan A is Jesus. Know all of me. Fill me. Transform me. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Is that your segue? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, I'm going to switch it up and talk a little bit, um, still about purity and a, and a true authentic encounter with God, um, but from the angle of the pure in heart will see God. Revelations 3, which, um, again, this Church of Laodicea, which we've been talking about, um, dives in a lot to describing the church of Laodicea. And one thing that I thought was interesting is they thought they had everything. They were rich and wealthy and they said they needed nothing. So here, and I think in our Western culture, it's so easy to identify with that. We're very wealthy or as a culture, like, you know what I mean? You might not think you're the most wealthy person or you might, but I guess the idea, what I'm trying to say is compared to the rest of the world, we're one of the wealthiest people group. Um, 
And we think in many ways we don't have very many needs. But they did not perceive that they were wretched and, and all these things. And it says they did not know that they were blind. And in reading that, that kind of struck me a little bit like, wow, they didn't. Okay, so are we perhaps blind in some areas and we just have no clue? And that's the worst kind of blindness, isn't it? This is the one where you think you can see everything and you can't see anything. Um, so I was thinking a little bit about that and, and the idea of wanting to see. Jesus says, I counsel you to anoint your eyes with eye self so that you may see. And this is in, in Revelations 3. So I, I've been on this quest ever since I was a little girl because I've known Jesus most of my whole life, except for two and younger. I don't know if I knew him then. How could you? <laughs> but I did receive Coco him. Coco was saved instantly. She's going to be really holy then. Um, yeah, I remember distinctly kneeling down in front of my puffy pink chair when I was two years old and accepting Jesus in my heart. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. Um, and so, honestly, I've, I've been kind of infatuated with God ever since, and it's been a process of really learning to know him more. And I've been so intrigued by, these, by the heavenly realm and when God touches down to earth and the kingdom of God and fully being able to hear God and to see God, the prophetic um, and the other gifts God gives and prophecy within the Bible. And my mom gave me when I was a little girl this huge, I don't even, I could barely carry it, this huge green Bible. And it was giant print. And I would read these stories in the Bible of men and women of God that had heard God or seen God or had God encounters. And it was always so intriguing to me as a little girl. And I'd reread them again. And I'm sure these are some of your guys' favorites too, but I wanted to mention a few of them. One I love is uh, Moses and Joshua. Those, those awesome guys in the Bible. Um, so I want to turn to Exodus 33:11, And I'm going to read out of the Amplified because I love the Amplified. Um, it amplifies things. <laughs> and also it was translated by woman, which is not a bad thing either. Hey. Um, so in Exodus 33, 11, and the Lord said to Moses, and the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Just always love that so much. Moses ret would return to the camp, but his minister, Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the temporary prayer tent. So they were traveling as a, as a people group. But he wouldn't depart from the tent. He would just hang out with the Lord. And that would always strike me. Okay, so here Joshua was a young man lingering past when Moses was having face-to-face -face encounters. Joshua would hang out and, and spend time with God too. People like David being called um, God's, the apple of God's eye or man after God's own heart. David was so loved by God. He really heard God and did what God said. John, the disciple, um, he was called the beloved. Like these, these are some men, and, um, and there's women in the Bible too that had these really amazing God encounters, just to name a few. So my question always as a little girl is, how can we see the kingdom, and what does it look like, and can I see it? Um, and there was moments when I'd have such breakthrough and other moments where I'd be like, am I making this stuff up? Did I really just see that or encounter that? Or I'd hang on the word of every testimony. When people give testimonies, I'd be like, oh, tell me more. I just, is that really, can, can, I, can I actually push through to the spiritual realm. And I said this in passing last week when I was hosting, but the natural realm is always responding to what first happens in the spirit realm. So what we pray in the spirit realm, then it touches down as a natural. If we're so grounded just in the natural, tangible, what we see and hear and feel, we're missing seeing 
the whole spiritual realm. And that's what we're called to as Christians, right? We're, we're God's kids. We're made of that fiber. We're made of that DNA. We have his breath that's been breathed into us, that breath of life. And that's not just natural living. That's spiritual life, right? So this idea of, okay, how then can we get from here to here to actually step into seeing and hearing and encountering God? Obviously, it takes this conversation back and forth. But how do I get close enough to God to be able to see him? How do I get close enough where I can have face-to-face encounters with God? Um, And this is where purity comes in. And it's not earned. It's a gift. It's given. Um, Matthew 5, verse 8, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Let's pull that up. I'm reading from the Amplified. Blessed, anticipating God's presence and spiritually mature, are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. So stripping away the Amplified, the pure in heart will see God. There you go. Purity is not just, oh, yay, check, 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 check. You did it. You had a, you're such a good person. Um, it's not earning brownie points. So I think a lot of times we think about purity as good behavior, and that's it. We miss the whole point if that's how we live our lives. And I have lived... I'm trying to make my parents happy, living a Christian life ever since I was two. So who knows what happened between what zero and two. What were you doing before that? <laughs> Can you get a fake ID at age one? Settle down. But this idea, like, I really had to break out of that over time going, it is not about the do's and don'ts of the Christian faith and living everything right because we cannot get into heaven by like our own self-righteousness. And we have to realize it's nothing we can earn. And so here I lived the first part of my life thinking I can, I can be that perfect, wonderful, great person and realize, isn't that the whole point? The law came to expose the fact that we cannot earn our way into heaven. It's a free gift of grace. Purity is a free gift that we get to step into. And God, Jesus, took it all on the cross and said, let me purify you. You're my bride. Let me make you holy. Let me make you pure. So this idea of that welcoming in, that pure heart, it's God's work. Psalms 24, verse 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend unto the mountain of the Lord? He who, who, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And the mountain of God here represents where God's, God lives or the Mount Zion. So translated Mount Zion. So who gets to hang out in God's home? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Um, Here's an analogy. It's like rubbing fog off a window. You can't see through a window. There's fog on it. Fog is like impurity. So as we rub off the impurity of the window, we get to see through clearly into the supernatural realm. We get to see clearly into what God's work is in our lives. We get to see through into what he's doing in other people. And we just need to get rid of that impurity and let that, the lens of God, just the God's lens become our lens so we can see clearly, have eyes to see what he's doing. Quick story, 2 Kings 6, Old Testament. Elisha was a prophet of God, heard from God. God would speak to him. He would tell the king of Israel, a bunch of intel. The king of Syria was after the Israelites and so wanted to take them out. Elijah Elisha would inform the king of Israel so they would sneak away from all his plans. He would set up camp. They would know to deviate from that path. The king of Syria gets so upset and goes, who's leaking this information? Is it somebody in my camp? He gets his servants, everyone together in the courts. And they say, no, it's not us. It's this prophet Elisha. And he keeps giving you all this intel. And, and so the king of Syria is like, okay, that's it. We're going after Elisha. He finds where Elisha is living, the city of Dothan. He surrounds it in the middle of the night with an army with chariots and horses. 
Elisha's servant wakes up in the middle of the night and goes, oh my goodness, we're surrounded. This is the worst. What are we going to do? We're doomed. And I'm going to pick it up in 2 Kings 6, verse 16 and 17. And Elisha said to his servant, who is freaking out, don't be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Isn't that beautiful? So as we're walking down our streets and we see the devastation of the demonic and we see the enemy's work, don't be afraid. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. God will get the last say. His kingdom will come. There will be life where there was darkness and death. Number 17, then Elisha prayed for his servant and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And let's make that our prayer tonight. Lord, open our eyes that we might see. And this is what he saw. The Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. When we see, we not only see our need for God, but we see his mighty victory that he has already won for our cities, for our families. And it's, the victory is already ours. The thing is, Elisha didn't, Elisha's servant didn't know he was blind. And the church of Laodicea thought they needed nothing. They didn't know that they were blind either. And as we go from where we are now, God, we're always becoming, taking steps and steps to become more like Christ. And I just really, really believe in this moment for myself and for all of us that there's an invitation here to step in to new levels of purity, not just to get brownie points, and not just to be those good Christian people, but to be able to see God. To really understand that as we step into more levels of purity. And the Holy Spirit is such a good teacher. He will be able to lead us into that. To know, okay, don't do this. Do this. This is what I want. This hurts my heart. This hurts my feelings. <laughs> um, when we can walk into those places more and more purity, we're going to see and behold God. And we can pull heaven down to earth. We can speak words of life and truth over someone. We can give a, a new and greater reality. This is what's actually happening you can see the fiery horses and chariots and God's deliverance for people. Yeah. 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 Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> Thank you for the segue. Um, yeah. You know, with, with this, with what we're speaking today, you know, purity isn't just about right and wrong. It's actually an issue of life and death. Life is, Jesus is leading us into life. That, that's what he's doing. He came to bring life more abundantly. He came to lead us into life. And this is the thing that we're going after. And with, the, with what we're speaking today, you know, the Bible isn't quiet about certain things that God's not so into. You know, so if you, if you want kind of a description on what not to do, just read some Bible. It, it is there. God's not quiet about it. But we wanted today for a focus to be on what actually should motivate our hearts, which is Jesus, which is to know him. It's, it's, to, it's, it's because we're so in love with who he is because he loved us so well. And we, want, we value that relationship so much. You know, Tiffany and I, we, we're married. We love each other. There's a reason why I, I don't look at certain things and I keep my focus singular on her. Like, this is the one I've, I've married. I value this relationship. This is the one I live. I can make me you too. cry if you want me to. <laughs> You try to make me cry. That's a different story. But 
we value so much our relationship with Jesus. We just want, we want to protect that. That's our motivation. But also, purity, like Tiffany said, it, it, it removes the fog. You can see into things. Like there's a whole world out there for us that we can know in God. We can know God and think like Him, see like Him, and see what He's doing in our families, in our cities, all this stuff. There's a whole world he, He's inviting us into. And we wanted that to be the motivation. And when that's your motivation, you know, without vision, people cast off restraint. We want a vision. We want the right vision. Right? So we wanted to, to pray into, into three things. The first thing is we want to pray that God would purify us right now. We read earlier in Ephesians about how it's him that washes us. Just saying, yes, Jesus, wash us. The second thing is we want to ask to have God encounters like the woman at the well. And I encourage you to open your hearts and say, come in, Jesus. Know all of me. I want to know you. I want an authentic encounter with you because the world deserves an authentic experience with Jesus through your life. And you deserve it because he loves you. The third thing we want to pray is that our eyes will be open. And that we would see. Sound good? Let's, uh, let's stand up. Just raise your hands if you're good with that. God, I thank you that it is you that washes your bride, your people. God, you said you are a consuming fire. We pray right now that that fire, like gold refined in fire, that we right now would be like gold refined in fire. We ask God that you would release your fire and that you would burn away any impurities in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that you would do the work that we can't do, God. We say yes. We say yes to it right now, God. Would you wash us? Would you cleanse us? Would you purify us right now, Father? Purify us right now, Father. Make us like children again. Wash our hearts. Blameless and holy. Make us holy and pure. Cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the Word of God. So you can present to yourself a glorious and radiant church a beautiful and holy bride without faults or flaw. You ultimately purify us and it's our desire to live pure lives before you. So we give you all of our shame. We give you all of our pain. We give you all of the past. We give you all of our failures. We give you all of our successes. We give you our stories. We give you the things that happened to us that we didn't want to happen to us. We give you, yeah, just 
the collection of things that we are as individuals. And we know that you do such, you work everything out to the good. It's your favorite thing to heal broken things. Um, And I just thank you right now that as we surrender all of us to you, that you wipe away and wash away any impurities in the fog so we can see clearly through to what you are doing, what you are doing in this in this world, what you are doing in our lives, what you're doing in our families, that we can perceive what you're doing. People who are passing on the street, that we'd be able to hear your heartbeat for them, that words, even one word would drop into our heart and we could prophesy and speak that into their heart so we would see the life sprout up around us like flowers that are concrete that we would be able to see um, what seems like something that's dead we could speak life into because we see with your eyes. We can see the chariots and horses on fire surrounding a city that seems besieged by the enemy, that we would see the victory on the other side, that we would be able to tap into a higher reality, the kingdom of heaven, because we're your kids and we belong to a higher kingdom. We're not, we're not from this earth. We have a higher, we have a heavenly passport. <laughs> we belong to the kingdom of heaven. We're your kids and we have your DNA. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, God, and we say yes to encounters with you, God. We open our hearts and we say, know all of us. Know all of us. We open the door. Would you encounter us, God? We choose transparency before you, God. Would you encounter us? Yeah, Jesus. And thank you that you're opening your eyes right now in this place, Jesus. That your spirit is here to open hearts and open eyes, full hearts, clear eyes. Do it right now, God. Do it right now, Jesus. Jesus. Like an army, marching shoulder to shoulder, with fire in our hearts, with bright eyes, blazing with clarity, that we would take streets and cities, that we would leave behind us life, and light and your glory that we would see transformation in our streets we would see transformation in our schools we would see transformation in our parliament we would see transformation in our families and most importantly transformations in our own hearts thanks for listening to the church untitled podcast be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages for more about what's happening in our community follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.